What's up, guys? It's Adam here. Welcome back to the Ice Coffee Hour. So far, the podcast has made $104,000 of revenue. Wow. Well done. Now, this is really excited for, for both of us to have you on here. We have never met in person until like know, five minutes ago. It's crazy. You are the founder and CEO of Yada Bank. I like the way you said that. Very dramatic. <laughs> I like it. The uh, $10 million bank that, that I That's bought. Right. That's right. A year ago. Could you believe it? Crazy. Crazy. A year. Yes. It's crazy. I haven't met you. I haven't met a lot of people over the past year. Yeah. So it's nice to finally do that for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming all the way to Las Vegas. We have a lot to address today uh, because you run a bank that I invested in that pays people up to $10 million. Now, I want, I want to mention this, this video is not sponsored. You're not paying us to be on here. So... We're all good. We just want to have an honest conversation Absolutely. and address all the rumors about this being a Ponzi scheme. Interesting. When I posted my video, so many people got upset. They unsubscribed from me. They said I was promoting a Ponzi scheme. So no matter what I say, they don't believe me. So we have to have you on so we could confront you and uh, get to the bottom of yes. this. Yes. Yes. I'm happy to happy to alleviate any concerns, <laughs> answer any questions. So. Yeah, where should I start? What's the... I want to start from the very beginning. So you grew up in L.A. I think, yep. Didn't we have a few mutual friends? Yes, this did. is how we started talking. So tell us about like where you grew up, how you got involved. in Because your whole family is in the, the yep. finance industry, right? Pretty much, yeah. So I grew up in, in L.A., uh, went to college at Penn, Wharton, so went to business school. Pretty much everyone in my family went to, to Wharton, which is pretty nuts. Uh, studied finance and accounting. Uh, parents in finance. Every, pretty much everyone in my family is in finance in some way. Mm-hmm. Which is also strange. Um, what does it mean by in finance? You know, whether it's investment banking, investing, hedge funds, real estate, you know, lots of different yeah. areas. Um, yeah. Your specific role in that uh, like sector was to find businesses that were in distress that could potentially be a good investment? Basically, so I was an analyst, which is the very junior junior level there. So I was only there for a year. Mm-hmm. And so you work with a, a vice president who's probably got seven to 10 years of experience. Oftentimes, they're doing the work of trying to identify the opportunities, and then the analyst works with them to evaluate the opportunities. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Excel work and modeling at the company, meaning put in all their historical revenue, all, all their financial data they report publicly, make projections uh, based on those projections, have different assumptions based on, oh, if they grow at this rate or this rate, what does that mean for their future? So my job there was more of like the analysis helping my VP that I worked with evaluate the opportunity. Um, at the at the junior level, you're not you can like identify opportunities, but it's more typical because you're just starting out to work with someone who's doing that and then work with them on evaluating it. And what level of your work was like subjectivity versus objectivity when like appraising or valuing a, a yeah? Company? Um, I would say a lot of it, maybe at, at my role, like in the analyst level, yeah. My role was probably more on the objectivity side. Just strictly numbers, yeah. historical data, mm-hmm. stuff Compiling like historical data, um, manipulating it in such a way that made it easier for us to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would say... Mo- and then, and then the, the ultimate decision was made by people higher up. Of, should we make this investment or not? You're not making that many investments per year. So mm-hmm. you, know, you, you spend most of your time passing on, on opportunities... So would this be like me telling Jack, like, hey, I want to I invest in real estate in Summerlin. Go and look through all these 50 properties, 
bring me back to five that you think are the best investments. Something like that, and then I'll review those. Sort of. I mean, at my level, it was more like here are what I think might be the best five. Mm-hmm. Help us, help me figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the at the higher level, it was identifying those five within the right. fifty. Got it. Yeah. Okay. What were your hours, and how much? How much does that pay as an intern? Yeah. So or, the hours yeah. in my group, which by the way are actually yeah. much better than investment banking and a lot of finance hours yeah. it was probably 8 30 to a.m to 10 30 p.m or 11 p.m <laughs> whoa whoa whoa, <laughs> whoa wait this is, is right out of college with, yeah, yes. yeah so and again that's much better that like, people are jealous of that but how, how does that not break labor laws because you're not like an independent contractor you're like actually a salaried wait, well, employee well, i think sal- yeah, that's, yeah salary you could just say whatever hours you want right right I think so. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think it, I think it's um, when it's hourly, then you start getting into the overtime, double time. You know, right? I think salary is just if you work more. Right? Am I am I wrong? I think yeah. so. I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, if you're in investment banking at, at Goldman, you're you were working. You get in later, like a, a, maybe ten, eleven a.m., but you're working right. till two, three a.m. a lot of days. Um, Why so late? Why do they start late? So 11. if you're if you're a junior analyst, the lowest level in investment right. banking. A lot of your work will come in in chunks. So everything in this in the finance world, for whatever reason, investment banking, you're working for a client, and so you're trying to do your best for a client, which often means everything needs to get done as soon as possible or yesterday because you're trying to just serve them the best way. Even if they're not going to look at it for two weeks, if you do it as soon as possible, they're going to they're gonna like working with you. And so when work comes in, it's the analyst's job to do this as soon as possible. And that's really what happens. And so if you get work at 2 p.m. and it takes you till 2 a.m. to finish because your job is to finish it yeah. as soon as possible, you wake up the next morning, there might not be anything to do till 3 a.m. So there's, there's like downtime yeah. where you don't have anything to do. And then there's, there's just you either don't have anything to do or you have stuff to do that you should have finished yesterday. So that 14 hour schedule, the 830 to 1030 is a worst case scenario. No, I would say it's maybe a, a best a best case scenario. That's insane. Well, for I, my group, because again, yeah. we're on the investing side, so we were investing Goldman's money. We weren't working for an outside client, oh. which means things in our group weren't always yeah, yeah. needs to be done as soon as possible because right. we didn't have a client that was hiring us. You were moving around Goldman's yes. money. Where, where yes. Where do you put Goldman's money? I mean, why? So why doesn't Goldman just say, "Hey"? We watched Graham's video. He says just buy the S&P 500. <laughs> why, don't, why do we need you, Adam? Why don't we fire everybody? We're going to save a lot of money, and we're just going to index That's... money. Why, why do they need to do all of this? Can you explain that? Yeah, well, you know, they're making fees off, well, not their own money, but oftentimes they raise outside capital. Basically, they believe they can get risk-adjusted returns that are higher than what an index fund might pay, whether they can, can they? or not. You know, that's, a, again, that's an academic question. There's a lot of evidence that shows, you know, active management net of fees doesn't outperform, but some do. And look, if you take more risk over the long run, you might outperform, but it's probably because you're taking more risk. Yeah. You know what? There's a, I, I'm going to estimate this study. I remember reading it quite a while ago. Um, something, it was something like 33 or it was like 35% of actively managed funds in the short term outperformed uh, the S&P 500. But I think it was over, uh, it was over a 10 or 20 year stretch that whittled down to like 1%. In the short term, I think a few of them were able to consistently beat the S&P 500 up to like a five year term. Uh, But I think the point that you mentioned was risk adjusted. Right. 
how much risk do you want to take versus how much money do you want to make? And I think with a lot of these people, they don't want to take a lot of risk and you're okay earning a little bit less just for a safer investment. So is yes. that what you were trying to find, these safe investments? Yeah, so it would depend. There's also an element here which there's some investments that are that are open to um, – you know, it wasn't all public stocks. So retail investors, it's hard to invest in a company in bankruptcy. Um, it's a complicated situation. And so we would also go into those types of situations where their opportunities aren't even accessible for the most part to like retail investors, which means non-institutions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is some argument to if you can get into some of those opportunities that, you know, the average person can't, then there might be opportunity there because there's not as much focus on it. There's not as much information that's that's publicly available. And so you you might have less competition for it. If you find, if you source that deal that no one else is looking at. Um, I forget your original question was though. How much do you make? How much of that returns pay? or no, no, no. Like how much was your salary? Oh, right. So like I think starting out, this was <clears throat> seven years ago now. Yeah. The base might've been like 75 K and you could expect a bonus similar to that. I would say maybe 50 50. 50 All right, it's about performed. 130 a year. Seven years ago. Now, okay. I think the starting salary for a lot of like investment banking roles might be like 110, 120. Yeah. Because uh, they're competing with, well, I mean, they're competing with tech now. I think mm -hmm. tech's much more appealing to a lot of hungry, smart young people. And so, you know, you can go work at Google and make, if you're an engineer, make 120, make 120 130K out of school mm -hmm. maybe and w not work 8 a.m. to 3 a.m., you know, right. um, work 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Right, right. What was your schedule like for that one year? Did you just do nothing but work? I mean, was there any day off or is this like seven days a week? Do you have time to watch TV? <laughs> do anything? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. You get, you get home at like 10, 30, 11 probably most nights. Okay. Um, watch Sports Center maybe. <laughs> five days a week though. Yeah, I mean, you'd have work on weekends, too. Mine wasn't as bad on weekends. <laughs> yeah. They actually have instituted, it might, they might have had it back then, the Saturday rule they had to institute. Have you guys heard of this? Mm -mm. Yeah, where they have to give one, like, they have yeah. to give the Saturday off. Or, oh, no, what is it, like a half day, right? Different for different, <coughs> different for different companies, but some of them were like, you're not allowed to work on Saturdays, which, you know, in effect, if the workload's the same, just meant, like, the rest of your week's crazier. Right, right. So it was like this protected Saturday rule, which... My group didn't have, which I actually yeah. liked better because I'm a big NFL fan, so yeah. I wanted to get my work done for for Sunday so I could watch football all day. Right. So I would have rather protected Sundays and then do the work Saturdays. But Yo, yo, yo. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Ladder. Alex, what did I tell you, man? No hat. We want to talk about some things that have revolutionized the way that we live in modern society. These things are known as disruptors. These are things such as wireless headphones, smartphones, and even self-driving cars. Well, what about all-in-one body wash, shampoo, and conditioner? No, Alex, for the last time, no one likes those. Well, what about ladder? For once, Alex, you're right. Ladder took the life insurance industry and basically flipped it upside down and then shook out all the inefficiencies. Before Ladder, if you wanted life insurance, you'd have to drive all the way to the other side of town. 
Forget about it. With Ladder, they made it easy for you to get term coverage on your time. And it's 100% digital when you apply for $3 million or less in coverage. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. So if you're between the ages of 20 and 60, like Alex and I, and you want to work with the best company redeeming the whole life insurance industry, choose Ladder. So go to ladderlife.com slash iced coffee today to see if you're instantly approved. That's ladder, L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash iced coffee ladderlife.com slash iced coffee thank you so much ladder for sponsoring this episode and back back to to the the podcast podcast. it's interesting because 14 hours a day is basically if i'm doing my math right it's like 70 hours a week right so effectively wouldn't basically be just working extra hours and in return being paid the same wage as like a i don't know a a person making sixty thousand dollars a year but you're just working on an hourly basis yeah yeah probably but you, you do the math. But you don't do it for the money. You, you do it to get your foot in the door so that one yeah, day. Yeah, sure. How much are the top level guys making? <clears throat> well, that's the thing, right? You set yourself up for working in, you know, a big a bank like Goldman or in the finance world is one of the, if you can get in and do a good job, I'd say it's one of the less risky ways to make a lot of money in life. Mm. As long as you do well and you climb the ranks, like... If you're a managing director at Goldman, again, back then, you might have... Managing director, sorry. I don't know if you want... You can do the explanation, but it's yeah, one what, of the more senior yeah. okay. senior roles, probably. So they direct... They manage the people underneath them. Like, like they manage a whole bunch of yous. Yes. Okay. It, it goes typically analyst, the mm-hmm. bottom, associate, vice president, managing director, partner, senior partner. Got it. Okay. So if you're a managing director, you might be 34, 35 um, years old. And your base, I, I don't want to get this wrong, but it might sure. be today 500000 plus a hefty bonus that might yeah. be, depending what department you are, equal to that. Sure. So you can make like a million bucks a year, Yeah. 12 years out of school, if you if you rise the ranks. Some people make a lot more than that. Yeah. If you have a really good year, whatever that means, uh, for your role. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, even though at the beginning it's um, tough and a lot of hours, there's there's two things. One, the, the trajectory is possibly very lucrative second is you're, you're learning a lot i mean you're putting in a lot of a lot of time and so if you're putting in twice as many hours as someone else in a different field or in your field you know the compounding effect like yeah. compound interest there's compound learning um on your time right so yeah now i saw one of these vice videos then take this with a grain of salt but one of these vice videos was in investment banking and they're like the parties are crazy all the stories you hear about are true it's all of these uh illegal stuff and like how is that true you don't have to tell us the parties well yeah yeah so again we just met i don't think i've been to a party i'm not a party person yeah so i don't know i've been to i went to maybe two two parties my four years of college Mm -hmm. maybe maybe three sure uh so it could be true i i was never there What, what 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 did you hear they said it was like the Wolf of Wall Street sort of deal. That, that's what they were saying. It's, it's you know Vice. They do these videos where it's just yeah, like but they like to like screen dramatize everything or whatever. Sure, but it's fun to believe that's true. It's I don't. I don't know. I mean, and it's like in between meetings or just like doing stuff, and they they hire people. Right. Either I wasn't invited. Uh, I wasn't invited to them, maybe, but or, or I chose not to go. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, I, I've heard st- stories that it used to be in the eighties and nineties, like. Like definitely the Wolf of Wall Street culture was sure. somewhat real. I think that's probably less so now, but I, I don't know. I, yeah. I never 
observed any of that for, for what it's worth. But what about okay. the substance of like usage? Is that still like, substance abuse? Um, yeah. I, again, I I'm so the wrong yeah. person for this. Yeah. I, I've I've. I mean, how do you think I've, they yeah. stay up that many hours? That's what <laughs> that, I, yeah, that's exactly. a good question. Yeah. I, yeah, I've heard, I've heard, I've never seen things, yeah. but yeah, I've heard Adderall things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's actually an HBO show that's that's good, that's in the life of uh, investment banker type mm-hmm. junior thing where I watched a couple episodes, but they yeah. have that element in it. Yeah, I wonder if it's like for me when I see those real estate agent shows, I look at that. As a former agent, I'm like, oh, yeah. that's so unrealistic. I'm wondering if investment bank is you see you see these things with these wild parties. You're like, that's impossible. They wouldn't be able to wake up the next day and like get their work done. Yeah, I mean, I've heard again. I haven't seen anything, no. but I I think it that or all type stuff is probably real. Yeah. Uh, what else? I I don't know. Sure. You know what's interesting to me yeah. is that the S and P 500 is still it's human decided. They still pick out those 500 stocks. Yeah, so why is that just like the the temple to every investor? Like, why can't someone else do something that the S&P did, but better? Because before the S&P, there were other things doing the same thing. And then the S&P came and then they did it better. So why can't someone else do yeah, that? Yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't know if I have a great answer or that great insight here. I mean, a lot of people used to use the Dow, right? As yeah. like the, mm-hmm. the holy metric, but yeah. it's just like 30 companies, Correct. which isn't that representative mm-hmm. of... of the economy as a whole, which is kind of what I guess the S&P is trying to do, right? It's 500 of the biggest companies. Yes. I didn't even know how they were, they were picked. I didn't even know they were handpicked. Yeah, there's there's a, a criteria. There's like five different uh, things that they have to comply with before they're even considered. And then a team votes on. I think it's seven people. Interesting. Yeah. Tes- did Tesla just make it in? Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah. yeah. They're Last, huge yeah. now. Yep. But... Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I think the S&P is also an interesting proxy for society because I think now it might, you probably know this better than me, but it might skew very tech heavy. And so yep. pandemic happens, right? Mm-hmm. You have the markets crater for a month. Since then, we've whatever doubled since mm-hmm. March of 2020. But like that doesn't necessarily mean the economy's. I mean, the economy is probably doing well by a lot of measures, but there's a lot of winners and losers in society, right? So for a lot of the pandemic, the tech the rich got richer, the tech companies got bigger, and so the mm-hmm. S&P was going up. Investors who were invested in the markets were doing well, but the people invested in the markets are usually people who have money, right, or have more money. So, you know, we, we think of the S&P as a metric for the economy, but, again, I, I'm just guessing. We'd have yeah. to look at the numbers, but sure. it's probably skews more towards, like, tech. Right? Oh, absolutely. So Yeah, I think the top five companies make up 25%, right. somewhere on there, the S&P 500. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't tell you anything about the mom and pops and and mm. restaurants and right all those types of right right. So when you finished up your year at uh, Goldman Sachs, you decided that wasn't for you. You didn't see a career path of working your way up the ranks. Yeah. So I'd say about nine months in, I realized I had made a career choice. And again, I liked finance a lot. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing now, in, in a lot of ways. But I, I interned in, in my summers at, at college in different finance jobs. I never really liked it. I just kept doing it. Everyone around me was doing it. Everyone at Warden kind of gets caught up in the same path, at least 10 years ago, seven yeah. years ago, consulting, finance. And so I never really thought about what I wanted to do. Again, everyone in my family was in it, was in this industry. And so I kind of realized I got there kind of on autopilot yeah. in a lot of ways. <clears throat> and so I woke up one day and just decided, started thinking about what, what, do I really, what am I really interested in and what do I really enjoy doing. Um, and this was about nine months in and I ended up leaving a little, about a year in, um, and started thinking back to, in high school, I really liked programming. I never pursued it. I liked the idea of 
learning about all these companies in my job, but I wanted to like be the person on the other side who was trying to do the strategic side of how do we grow? How do we make more revenue and and all this kind of stuff? Yeah. And so I realized I just got there by default. What did your parents think? Nine months in, we were like, mom, dad, I'm leaving Goldman Sachs. I can do my own thing. They were supportive at the time. I didn't leave to like start a a company at the time. Right. And so it wasn't like I was going to do become a YouTuber, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, you hear stories about that, yeah. which is, uh, so, so like, yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't, it was supportive. I mean, mm-hmm. what yeah. about the finances? Cause you're, you're leaving a full-time job to yeah. do something that potentially makes no money. Right. Right. Well at the time, so I, I left Goldman and I did a coding boot camp mm-hmm. uh, cause I knew I wanted to possibly start something someday. And the way the world was going, I decided that knowing how to code, I didn't want to be an engineer, but I wanted to like know how, to code so that I could understand yeah. how, how how are things built that would help me be a better manager, I guess, or just yeah. know what how long is something going to take? Is it possible? <clears throat> um, and so I, I only was without income probably for three or four months and had savings at the time. And then and then right out of that coding boot camp, which I'm very happy I did, I got a, a job at a tech company. How much were you making there? A hundred hundred thousand at the beginning. A little bit more. Wow. Yeah. What were your hours there? I would say on average nine to six thirty. Like, wow, there yeah, you go. that's inc- yeah. so your your wage effectively is also significantly higher. Yeah, well, with uh, the bonus may have made the finance wage higher. Sure, um, but yeah, yeah, I guess the base the base was higher. But that's interesting. It took you four months to make a hundred k per year, but it took you four years to make you know a hundred yeah. or whatever. Right? Again, I think in finance, right? If you stick with it, the in tech you start out at a, at, a, at a number and. Mm-hmm it doesn't necessarily go up by that much over time. I mean, it does. In finance, like you start out at that number, and then at 10 years later, yeah. you're making a million, a million now, bucks. Type thing. Would your parents have uh, been approving had you decided, hey, I just want to do music, I want to play you know, the cello, and just do my own thing? If, if It might not make any money, but... I think they would have been supportive, but I think they would yeah. have said, Adam, you're terrible at art. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I can't... Uh, I taught myself the piano. It's not, not great. Yeah. I was never good at. Uh, I was held back in preschool because I couldn't, you know, finger paint. Really? That's not. I was held yeah. back in preschool, but and I couldn't finger paint. But that's not why. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they would but, have been supportive. Yeah. I, okay. If it was something that was bizarrely out of character, like music, sure. I think it would have been like, well, you're gonna. Uh, doesn't make any sense. But, yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And what about like throughout college and everything? Were they were they helping you like like financially through all of this or like? Yeah, yeah, through okay. college for sure. Yeah, um, and then yeah, early days New York for sure too. Yeah, got it. That really I think helps a lot because that that takes almost the pressure off yes. of like needing to make those rent payments and the food payments and instead putting all of your emphasis and time on like honing the craft definitely. of finance. Oh, definitely. It also makes it a lot easier to if you're if you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you have. A, a help or a backstop where you're yeah. not taking a total risk and if you fail you're going to be on the streets yeah it's definitely a position i was lucky to be in yeah um because you know again if i started a company or whatever i did early on and it just failed and you're not making much money yeah. then for a lot of people it's like a risk that you can't take yeah even if you really want to when did you decide to do yada bank who came up with the idea was it you or you have a co-founder ben so Ben joined a few months after I started working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so originally it was just me. So so the story there was yeah. I was at that tech job that I joined for about three years and I had the itch to to do something on my own. And so over the years I'd written down 
ideas um, on a Google Doc. Ideas that I saw or opportunities or problems yeah. I ran into in the world. What are the ideas? I want to hear some of these ideas, by the way. Okay, yeah, we can, yeah. We can, we can get to that now. Yeah. Or, let's, uh, let's hear it now. Let's hear it now because we're, we're going to tell a story here. I want to hear this. Okay, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of them. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of the best ones yeah. or the worst ones. Or maybe best or worst. Okay, so yeah. one idea I was, I was super excited about, and I didn't think about this as like a business possibly, but people are late all the time. You have group dinners, things like that. Everyone's always late. And so I wanted an app where you could create an event, like whatever, you could link to your Google Calendar and you could charge people for being late. So <laughs> I would love that. Oh my no gosh. So jeez, I would love that. I would too. And so <laughs> so you could say, okay, I'm gonna we're gonna have dinner at seven thirty Saturday night, midtown Manhattan, right? <laughs> Someone like, needs to do this. Okay, and you set you set a dollar per minute as like the pen- <laughs> you set whatever the penalty you want. And then like 30 minutes before the event, yeah. it, GPS is turned on for everybody. You can see them on the map. <laughs> and it shows your ETA and your expected payments. Like maybe someone's expected to be five minutes late. So it shows like $5 right now. Maybe they get there early and so it, it reverses. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, I feel like that would cause a lot of accidents. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Someone's like <laughs> on their last <laughs> dollar, dollar a minute. Just, yeah. I yeah, can't, this red light's going to cost me like yeah, two bucks. I, Let me just run it. $10 a minute? Yeah, you'd see some crazy <laughs> stuff out there. I still want it to exist. The, the, <laughs> I want it to exist too. I would use that. Would you, oh but yeah, so but I don't I. think you would sign Employers. up, Greg. Employers would are do you, that for their employees. Are you, are you late? Are you you're Graham is late. Time. Graham's I, late. I, I always act like I you're... always think that I'm I'm always very prompt. But certain things, it's like if, if it's not urgent, if there's something urgent, I'm right on time. If it's like going to the gym, and it doesn't matter ten minutes either way, you know, he's late. To yeah, things. like <sighs> the, the stem we would play, you know, beach volleyball in Manhattan with friends, mm-hmm. and like you'd have the court for an hour, right? And if people weren't there on time, like you just can't play. You know what I mean? Like you don't, yeah. you don't players. So we'd be waiting there for like 15, 20 minutes, a third of our time. And I, would, I just get so frustrated by it. <laughs> yeah. And I think it stems, I don't know if this happened yes. 20 years ago, because 20, 30 years ago before cell phones, if you were late, like you're just screwed. Yeah, right. Like you can't say, hey, I'm running late. Yeah. Right. But cell phones, now you can just be like, oh, sorry, like I'm, I'm 10 minutes late. And so but a lot of people say like, oh yeah, I'm on my way. No, they're, they're not, not on their on way. They're in the way. shower. No. They're yeah, not yeah, on their way. I love that. Yeah. I would love that app. Seriously, I think I think for employers and employees, that too. Imagine that. Imagine just incentivizing your employee, like, hey, just download this app. If you're on, t- if for every minute you're early, what employee would sign up for that? I don't know. Think about how much time know. is wasted waiting for people. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, it would save. Uh, we we need to internalize these costs. You know what I mean? Like we need to. And you know what? It would be good for friends and app. stuff Imagine like that. Imagine you created the app. You just charge it. You just siphon off. Yeah, charge a little fee. So it just transfers oh, the money man. from the person who is late to the person who's. I developed. I made a prototype for this. <laughs> can we not do? It was can called. Not, it was called punctual. Can you? Can oh we not do this? Is just gosh. like a like a gag sort think, of thing. Get it developed. Dude, like get it up and running. It's just so no marketing. Funny. Just, I, I, yeah. just word them out because I guarantee. One person is going to tell another. It's going to be like, bro, I made 15 bucks the other day. It's like just so yeah. crazy yeah, it might a, work. It sounds like a Nathan idea. for you concept. The, the issue was I had I had the assumption that like late people, mm-hmm. they want to be on time and like they just have a tough time like doing it. Yeah. And so maybe some like incentive that they could put on themselves, but they don't want to be on time. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Like they don't. But you don't know. You haven't launched it yet. I you had don't... a prototype. I tested with some friends, the late people. They were still late and we didn't have all the bells and whistles where like forced payment, right? So you... <laughs> Forced payment. Yeah, if you, you have to think about it. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. So it's, <laughs> if you're late, you don't want to be have to like Venmo the person. Yeah, no, it has no, no. to be automatic. What if you can do a crash? 
That sucks for you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't control what people do there, on no, their there, own there, time. There, there, there's going to be like right, a, you a, can charge a, back. an escalation, you know, take a picture of the accident, uh, selfie in the so hospital. so many fights, I feel like, between friend groups. And I feel like it would be inappropriate to use employer-employee relationships. Imagine between husband and wife what that would do. Oh my Boyfriend, girlfriend. Girlfriend's late. Boyfriend's late. Something like that. Yeah. And then money gets saved. And she's like, give the money back. It's like, no, I can't reverse it. I love the idea. Oh, I think but that's hilarious. hilarious. Here's the yeah. one part where I do think it uh, you would have to make sure it's 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 correct. Doesn't glitch is if you arrive and somehow it, it keeps tracking you as being late. Yeah, you know? or they're like I issue. showed up on time, but the app didn't update. I was yes. an area in an area without reception or something. So you like you could have your verification <clears throat> system where yeah. the event host can like confirm you. Yeah, uh, but yeah. what if the event host is unethical? Yeah, then it's just like oh, I forgot. Yeah, you know. We, we we can figure this out. I think we can figure it out. I like this. I yeah. love. I love the I idea. I love it. If there's a true way to get that done, where oh, it's, it's not glitchy, I love it. Tell so, us, so that tell was us more. I like that idea a lot. That, so, that to me is a, an eight out of eight and a half out of ten. All right, I, like I don't that. know if it would be like number one on the app store. But, but here's I the think thing. I think it's fine. For people like us three, I think it makes sense. But for people that are a little bit more like 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 if I had a few of my friends, I know for a fact none of them would sign up for that. That for someone like problem. me, I think it's funny, and I'm like, ah, oh, what's a couple bucks here, and I like being punctual, you know. But for my friends, they're like, why would yeah, I sign up? It does for this? only like, benefit the person who's hosting the event. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> when, when, so we had a prototype. I had a prototype for this, but it, I, I outsourced the, the development very cheaply because yeah. I was just funding it just sure. as an, just for fun, yeah. and it was super glitchy. But I found myself again. I'm pretty introverted. I don't go out much. I was creating events with friends just to get them on and try it out. Um, <laughs> I like that a lot. See, that's something I would do. You could make a video. I just bought a uh, a late app. That yeah, could, it could be the title. If that we could, maybe we maybe we talk about actually doing this seriously. Maybe we talk about actually doing this. Yeah, I think. Listen, I, I think if it costs under ten k to like get a prototype out there, I could just do a swipe up. Like, guys, just try this out. I'm down. <laughs> I don't know. I'm down. We could That'd build be it good. better than I did. Yeah, three years right. ago. Okay. But the other, another idea that came to mind. Again, there's a lot, and my memory's a little bit foggy. I like this, yeah. Um, was helping people save money on their property taxes. And we we're going to start with, I think, Illinois and Texas, where mm-hmm. property taxes, I believe, are higher. Again, it's been a while. something, yeah. But a lot of people, if you just fight your appraised value, and you, you might know about this from the real estate world, but you can like submit documents to, to, the, to the county, whatever, and say, hey, here's evidence that my property is worth less than what you guys are assessing the taxes at. And automating so, yeah. that. So this was a big issue in California. It's something I'm very familiar with. Um, the... County assessor actually sent out a uh, a PSA to all property owners. They mailed it and they sent an email. Um, usually, in a given year, they would receive a few thousand. This is just the county of LA, a few thousand requests a year, and they could handle it. Uh, those services have gotten so popular, and, and and we're just talking like the template format where you could go and pay some guy three hundred bucks who's going to try to negotiate your property taxes down, and they just send a template. Now they got almost a hundred thousand. From there a few go. thousand to a hundred. How recently was this? Uh, last year. Yeah. So it went from nothing to a hundred thousand. The the service popularized. Uh, the assessor basically said at this point, we're understaffed. It's gonna take us years to go through what we get in like a month. So we simply can't do it anymore. So they basically just said we can't handle it anymore. It's actually backing up the legitimate claims. And because of that, because we're understaffed, we're just not gonna do this for anybody so they were basically just pleading to people hey if this is 
if you have a real reason to believe your property tax is good, please submit something. But if it's just a template thing from a lawyer, right. um, it's just it, it's a backstop. Please don't do it. It was just a please. They can't stop. So that so that's something. I yep. I I'd give that a two out of ten. Okay, fair. Two fair. out of ten on that one. And you're all yeah, that's it's tough because you're exposed. If they change, if whenever you do these hacky like save yeah. money legal things, you're always they could change the yes. the rules. Yeah. So I don't um, like that one. But what what that's fair. I, I like yeah. the I like the honesty. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So I, I do just want to say that reminds me a lot of this idea I had, and I almost put this into action, and I had a business partner for it. But to go to the unclaimed <laughs> funds thing. Oh, I had that same idea. And then because it's the unclaimed funds thing. Uh, so the state of California, basically like if you, if you pay too much in taxes or something and you change addresses, all these things like, uh, they can, they basically owe you money and there's a, a log of it all online and you can see their name, you can see their address and you can see how much money that they owe you. Or uh, for example, yeah. like transfer of a state, something like someone dies <clears throat> and they have all of this money and they don't know who to give it to, uh, or they don't know where you went and you were in that will and, the, and you were in the will. They basically have a log of all of that. And I had the idea of going to those people's addresses and saying, hey, the state owes you, you know, $5,000. Uh, you were completely unaware of this. It, sh- it shows that it's been owed to you for five years. Uh, you know, it would be nice if you could charge me a finder's fee just right. for this. However, I wouldn't make it mandatory because it's their money in the first so, place. So two things. First of all, that does exist. Uh, it's called unclaimed property. And anyone could do it in all 50 states. Just type in unclaimed property, your state. You'll mm-hmm. type in your first and last name. And you'll go through and you'll be able to see what uh, what they owe you. It's legit. Um, so I've gone on before, and I think it was like a, a phone bill, something or other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was at like 50 bucks. So the, I'll tell you the two downsides of that. One, that exists. And there are companies out there that do this. This is their full-time thing. They just find people with, with high amounts above like 500 bucks, and they reach out to those people saying, you have money owed. <clears throat> the problem with that is that, first of all, the paperwork is terrible. Yeah. I, I went through it. You have to sign this thing. You have to get it notarized. You have to mail it in. It takes like six to 12 weeks to get back. And then they send you a It's like for small amounts, like $10, $15, it's probably not worth it. Could you so, do it better where you automate a lot of that stuff? Or? The problem is you need a power of attorney. So the uh-huh. issue that, that I've seen with a lot of these companies is that nobody trusts them. And yeah. I actually had this one guy reach out to me, and I was so skeptical. And he was an older guy. And just called me on my, my cell phone. Like, I didn't really give it out. But he called me on my cell phone. And he says, hey, um, you have unclaimed property that's like $700. And wouldn't tell me where it was or, like, how to find it. He's like, it's not, it doesn't show up in the database yet. Uh, but we want to give you the – we're going to handle it, but we're going to take 20% of that. So if you want to claim this, we'll do all the work for you. We just need you to send over a power of attorney to us and, like, have this notarized. I was so sketched out, but I didn't do it. It's just not worth it. So I actually talked to the guy and said, listen, just off the record, trust me. I'm not going to screw you on this. Just tell me where it is. I'll claim it my, myself, and I'll send you the, the, the money. The did 20%. you do it? I did. Yeah, oh, nice. and, I, and I claimed the money, and I did send him the money. What, and what he said you were the first person who actually said— 20%? What? 20% fee? I did. Paid him exactly what he was owed. Yeah, huh. but sure enough— it showed up a few weeks later, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I got money. He got money. I wouldn't have known about it otherwise. I forget what it was for. The but, issue is yeah, that it yeah. sounds very sketchy. It, oh when you're pitching gosh. it to someone, you go and you knock on their door. Hey, you're owed this amount of money, 
And then you also like you kind of have to show them, but yeah. you don't want to show them because then yeah. they could just fill out the form themselves. Yeah. Obviously, if you had that like automized or automated, and you knew how to like fill out the form and everything and get get it all situated, it, it makes it better. Yeah. There are plenty of people yeah. that have like fifteen thousand dollars on claim, twenty thousand millions. There used to be a news uh, a section in the newspaper, and it said top unclaimed money for our county uh, back in California, and it yeah. would say like one million dollars unclaimed yeah. by this person. It was fun to look yeah, at. It's wild. Yeah, I, there's I, a I lot did of that those here. like you know people <clears throat> not taking advantage of for example another idea that i had briefly was a lot of people don't take advantage of their 401k match at their employer because they don't they don't have have the money to contribute to their 401k and oftentimes the employer will just match it's like free money if you mm -hmm. contribute to it mm -hmm. so some some companies actually emerge that are lending to, to employees yes. to say hey we're going to lend to you put a 401 put in the 401k get the match and, and they figure yeah. out a way to now, you didn't do that idea did you no but it it is a thing now yeah so i think 3 or 4 years ago somebody i think it it, it might have been ask sebi i think it was ask sebi like 2 3 years ago reached out to me to invest in a startup that was doing just that and i couldn't in good conscience um invest in a company that was tried they wanted to charge like a 15 percent fee it, the, right. the fee was so high that it was like ah yeah they could get money invested but like if, if they don't pay that back, you know, or they, they wanted money in the back end. I forget what it was. Good concept. Yep. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot of opportunities that people aren't taking advantage of, of free money for, yeah. for lots of reasons. Sometimes they don't have the money they need to take advantage of the free money. Sometimes they don't have the time. Yeah. There's companies that will negotiate your direct TV bill or whatever and take a percentage of the savings, yeah. like, on your behalf. Uh, another idea I had related to that was a lot of startups, actually. This was two or three years ago when interest yeah. rates were much higher. Um, they were keeping their cash in, in checking accounts. So you raise ten million bucks to start up, and they're just leaving in a checking account where you could, you know, move it smartly into the high, high yield savings. And if you make two percent, like that's yeah. two hundred grand. My math's right. Right. And so, like, yeah. just free money, effectively. Um, so that was that was another one. And there, there, there's a lot that I'm not yeah. probably not thinking of. What's the bad? What's a bad idea that you're just like you, you looked into it and you're like, eh. Honestly, the the whole I hate to burst your guys' bubble, but the late app idea. I don't know. I don't know if it was a bad it's, idea it's, or poorly it's, executed. It's funny you say that was my favorite idea so far. Yeah, I think it it's the funniest work. idea. Yeah. I don't know if it would actually be something people would use. Just yeah. between friends, it's like who really cares if someone's five you know minutes late? Like, I don't like it, but like I'm not gonna charge my friend. I would feel yeah. bad charging my friend. He's late to go get ice cream with me, and I'm like, oh, I guess my ice cream's paid yeah. for. I don't know. Three, it's just like three minutes late. I get three bucks. It would be funny I if you could attach a debit card and like Venmo. You hold a balance oh, God, in that, exactly. and you could spend their money. You could like, uh, uh, attach the Yada debit card. Yeah, perfect. And you get tickets. It would work perfectly. I'll tell you. Yeah. If you guys prototype that app, I will use it at my wedding. Because <laughs> listen, wow. in the wedding industry, people pay for your plates, right? They you know, people don't know this, but they charge you, you know, it could be $150 a plate if it's really good food. And one of my biggest pet peeves is when people didn't show up. And so if you guys did build this app, I would implement it in my wedding. And I would charge them their plate price if they're not there. Yeah. I don't even want to play, pay for it to begin with. But this way, if you tell me you're going to be there, you're going to be there. Think, yeah, you know what? I bet you could incentivize this because I'm thinking, like, imagine, like, personal trainers. Imagine their clients show up late or something like that and they, you know, run. <laughs> totally. Something like that. A lot of professionals. Yeah. A lot of professional services could do that and use it. And then they get a reward. Imagine they show up on time. They get, like, a 3% discount yeah. on whatever. Restaurants, if yeah. someone so shows up 20 minutes late, it just yeah. screws up the next table, the next table, yeah. turning table, you know, can't turn as many tables. <laughs> yeah, I've said That's this before, smart, but I'll tell you my worst idea. You let me know what you honestly think yeah. about this. Uh, when I was like 20, 
uh, I came up with this idea called Truth and Tell. And I bought the domain truthandtell.com. And it was basically <laughs> meant to be a Yelp for people. Where you could go uh, and yes. you could make a profile about somebody. Write your honest review about them. And we had like a rating system from like honesty, uh, how trustworthy they were, personality. <laughs> you could basically, there was like five criteria and then you could write a review on them. You could upload their picture. <laughs> did as much did you pursue this at all or was it just an idea? No, no, I pursued it. Oh, wow. I pursued it. No, we, so uh, it was three of us, me and my buddy Jaron and uh, my friend Artie. Now, Artie was the one who was the programmer. So he was like, yeah, no, I'll just work on this in my spare time. We're all kind of, we would just get together once a week. It was a fun way to hang out. And we'd just sit there all night and just make this, make this website. He would be, you know, coding it on the back. And we'd all come up with ideas, just brainstorming. But we created truthintel.com. And uh, so what we did is we started making profiles on all of our friends. Now and, I have a question. Yeah. What would you rate Jack? Oh, I'd... Oh. I'd I give Jack a good rating. Jack gets a good rating. He gets a good review. What does that mean? Well, the honesty good. bucket. Like <laughs> yeah. The, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, Aww. Jack on honesty at yeah, five out of five stars. Oh, five out of five. Yeah. Wow. Five out of five stars. Thanks, yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah. So now here's the thing. We made like twenty, thirty profiles, and uh, my buddy wrote something on one of our friends who has a very unique last name. Like the type of last name where you type it in. It's like there's there's no one else that has his last name. But the problem was that his his dad ran some sort of construction company with the last name. So it was like the last name construction, Inc., or like something like that. So we wrote something. Well, I, I'm not going to say we. My, my friend wrote something about this person that was just a joke, but it was a, a rather serious joke. What was the joke? You know, I'm going to see what the joke is. <laughs> oh, come on. You can't leave us. I'm not, I'm not, You're I'm not saying gonna, which friend wrote it. I'm not going to say I can't say what the joke was. I'm no, not going to say I'm it. curious what happened. I'm not going to say joke. it. So anyway, he wrote a very unfunny joke mm-hmm. about this person, claiming something that was not true about this person. But okay. between friends, it's just like, uh, you know, you just kind of rim it on each other. Anyway. But uh, anyone can see it. Anyone can see it. Got it. The problem was that when you typed in this construction company, our SEO was so good because we had compiled all this relevant data about like all these last names that when you typed in that, within like a few weeks, that became the top result on Google. You just type in blank construction ink, the sun comes up with this, you know, right. joke in his profile. And, <laughs> so it hurt the business. And he had first of all, a friend had no idea that we made a profile on him. And his dad had no idea because customers are calling about it. So we we took that down. But uh, we yeah we didn't want to get into any legal trouble. And then then, then you get into the uh, moral issue of like how do you know if something is correct? And there's like what is it section two thirty? Uh, uh, I, I forget what the the Internet Act something section two thirty, which basically says that um, if you run a website and somebody writes something. You're not a publisher of that information, uh, and you're not responsible for what that person says if you don't edit anything. As long as you, mm-hmm. as long as you just leave it up on the website, you're not responsible for it because then you're a public forum and not a publisher. So if someone says something that's untrue, that like let's say someone loses their job or something happens, um, we couldn't take that down. It's just it's up there. So we never pursued it. You're not but, allowed to take it down because that that would be yeah, makes editing. you culpable for it. Right. Interesting. Exactly. And so you would need a way to screen before it even got there in the first place. Would that help? Or you can't even do that. Like, but even then, even even if you screened, yeah. the, the whole point of this was that it was supposed to be anonymous. Yeah. But then again, it's like what was, what was the um the inspiration? Like what was the something in your head that was like, I want this to exist? That you have a really bad experience with someone one day and you're like, man, I want to tell the I world. I didn't. I just, I thought, 
it would be fun to like see a review system of like typing a name and see what other people say about them. Have That's you ever, all. did you watch Black Mirror, the Netflix uh, show? I yeah, feel yeah. like there was an episode similar to. It was, oh, it was the, a social score. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah social yeah. score. So yeah. yeah, but I'm listen. I'm really glad we never pursued it because uh, two other ladies ended up doing the same thing. Was it what was it called? People. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah, I remember. And oh my gosh, they were they were on the headline of everything as like the most hated new startup. Like everybody disliked them. <laughs> they were outed. I mean, I like all that. this crazy stuff. And we're looking like thank, thank the, you know just so thankful. We never pursued that. I think someone no. also, I don't know if this was the same one you're talking about, did it with like dating? Dating? I think so. Where think girls started, can rate guys? Yeah, I think they started with that. Maybe they opened it, it up. The, yeah, the Yelp of people. But yeah, so many issues. Um, the morality of whether or not you leave up information that could be hurtful to another person. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's shady. So we never pursued it. So what, but, will I give my rating now on it? Yeah, you, could get, you can give, yeah, yeah, give you a four. Four out of ten? Okay. Yeah, okay. I like the I like the idea. Um, just would be really tough in practice, right? Yeah. If we could somehow yeah. judge people and have know ahead of time if they're actually all or not, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be helpful. The other one, the last one I'll mention is uh, that I I liked a lot. You know, in Los Angeles, uh, basically all throughout California, parking is really difficult around the coast. You you can't find any parking. I wanted to create an app where people could rent out their driveways. I did the same thing actually really? in my coding boot camp. No it was way. called Park Shark. Mine was just called Parked. I like Park Shark. Yeah, yeah. Park Shark a little better, right? Yeah, the sure. rhyme. Yeah. Literally, we we did that as our project. Yeah. And yeah. it's a thing in the UK. Yeah. Uh, I forget what it's called. Um, Park Hero or something. Something like that. Yeah. We we looked it up. There's a San Francisco company that already beat us to it, and they had like a fully functional beta, but it just never took off. And I'm thinking, well, if this company tried it and they couldn't do it, and it was going to be like a hundred grand to build this thing out, yeah. I was like. I didn't have the money. And the tough part, so. the tough part is even building the platform, right? It's getting the inventory. Yes. You got to get the, because yeah. you can build the platform, yeah. but if there's no, and, there's no And the content. other problem is that like the prime parking spots, like if you're in Venice and you have a $5 million house, you're not going to care about renting out your driveway for like $10 an hour. And there's a certain point where it's like beyond that, then it's like you may as well right. just pay for valet. In LA, because so, yeah. I had a similar, what started that idea was LA, like around the sports stadiums, right? There's a lot of parking lots and yeah. people pay a lot for parking. I was in Wisconsin in August, actually. You went to the Packers preseason game while I was there. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever been to Green Bay, but around the stadium, there's a lot of small houses, and we ended up parking in a driveway on this woman's lawn. And I think she charged 40 or 50 bucks yeah. for the spot. Yeah. And every game, she'd have 20 cars or whatever. It's profitable. Yeah. And the house was worth, she looked it up, like a million and a half, two million bucks, yeah. this tiny house, just because <laughs> of Airbnbs on, on game days. Wow. And for the parking. That was the whole value of the property. Wow. So she was just doing it, holding up the sign. But yeah, I do just want to say Graham did mention this was in like our second podcast ever. Yeah. We talked about his bad business ideas. Yeah. I, I, my favorite actually was uh, the one where if you call someone, you know how you hear that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about you. Um, you actually hear an ad, and then the ad will lower your phone bill. You, yes. you're like, yes, I, I accept to hear ads when I'm Sounds calling someone. Great. What was bad about that idea? Exactly. Uh, I thought yeah. that was a great idea. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, I, I was 18 years old when I came up with that, and I thought you just give people free phones, like just, just free cell phones. But every time you make an outgoing call, you have to listen to like a 15, 30 second mm. ad, and that would either give you a free phone or it would lower your service, or you get yeah, some, something like that, you know. Um, I was like 18 and like, where do I start? Like, how do I even go about doing this? So like when you're 18, no money, no connections. Like I had this idea, I wrote it all out. Um, just had no idea how to implement that. So were you always thinking about ideas too? Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I would keep a, uh, a, a just a note on my phone of yeah. just like every time I would think of an idea, I'd write it down. Yeah, I write down every time I think of an idea, the stupidest yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, in this morning, actually, I was in the hotel, and I I can't. I'm the only young person who can't read. Mm-hmm. And so when I get into these hotel like showers, I can't read which one's the shampoo and which I need my reading glasses <laughs> yeah, yeah. to read. So I was like, oh, what if there was, uh, and again, the stupidest idea yeah, of all time. Yeah. I was like, I, I need to solve this problem somehow. Yeah. I write it down. I literally write down <laughs> as stupid as that idea. I write down on this list because hmm. you never know which one you're, you, right. you know, might. I mean, that one's not going to be the thing, but yeah. just, just any like problem I encounter in society. Cause if you have a problem, so do other people. Like right. that's what, that's what I've learned is like, I used to think, oh, just, I'm probably the only one with this problem. Like, if you have a problem, if you're thinking something, there are yeah. millions of people thinking or having the same problem. Yeah. And if you can solve the problem, you have something. Yeah. So how did Yana Bank idea come up? So after I tested some of these other yeah. ideas, again, I built the prototype for the yeah. punctual thing. Um, and basically, again, I, I was always very interested in finance. I was in it. And I've always been super into behavioral psychology. So I don't know if you're familiar with books like Nudge, Thinking Fast and Slow. And so when I came across the statistics about how Americans spend $80 billion a year on the lottery, which, by the way, is the worst gamble you can make. You can go down to the strip in Vegas, play blackjack, craps, people give you, give you crap about it. Mm. You're only losing 2 to 5%, like expected value. In yeah. the lottery, you're losing like 60%. <clears throat> people spend $80 billion on that. That's $700 per household. At the same time, half the country doesn't have emergency savings. And so a lot of people are playing the lottery who, who struggle to save. And so the idea basically was, and I saw this, there's a program in the UK that's basically what Yada is run by mm-hmm. the government, it's putting it a little bit, bit too simplified, yeah, but sure. yeah, it's huge yeah. there. And so I saw this opportunity to do it in the US. So ultimately I was like, okay, why is this thing so successful in the UK, but not here when we have this problem of savings and lottery playing? Um, and it's been successful in lots of countries. So I just started doing research on it as I always start out doing, mm-hmm. um, turns out it was kind of illegal here until 2015. It's a relatively new opportunity. Why? Just the ways the way the gambling laws were written um, wasn't like they said savings with a sweepstakes lottery element attached to it is illegal. It just would have been a gray area with gambling um, because of the way it, for for gambling to be gambling, there has to be a prize. So there's a prize, right. and you have to give up consideration to like participate. Just money. Yeah. So consideration, yeah. the definition is it paying for something? Is it doing something? Is it depositing mm. money? Like is that consideration? Like. Th- mm. I don't know. Right. And so in 2015, they carved out a law that basically said this, th- this thing, prize linked savings, is okay. Um, again, more nuanced than that. Why, why did they carve out a law? Because to do yeah. that, there must have been an issue yes. and someone fighting it. Who fought that? Academics. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of evidence from programs in South Africa, New Zealand, UK, that this actually really helps people. This idea of combining a savings account with lottery type upside instead of just boring tiny interest payments helps people save more money which is good for society um generally speaking it's you know you still need people to spend but for the economy but so they changed that expecting that a business was now going to arise that would do that possibly yeah so basically what happened was there was in michigan i I don't know the exact legal details here but they ran a pilot program in like 2010 called save to win and by they i think it was an academically run Mm -hmm. thing um, and they proved over a couple of years of that program that it was also helping people save. And so th- I believe they went to whoever, I don't know, they, they lobbied whoever to say, hey, this is actually very good for people. We have a savings problem in America. The only downside, literally like the only downside to this is the lot. Like the, if this works and takes off, like does it take away from the lottery? And like most people agree that the lottery is generally 
a tax, like it's, it's a regressive tax, a tax on, on, on the poor. Um, and so the problem with the lottery, not only is it hor- horrible, it's monopolized by the government. Meaning if, if lotteries were privatized, meaning anyone could do it, no company could get away with taking 60% cut on, on the lottery, right? You'd have yeah. competition and it would probably be like blackjack or craps. Where it'd be like, oh, 2% you lose on average, yeah. right? Not 60. Wait, so explain the lottery. I'm actually not familiar with this. Who, who runs it? Where does that money go? You say it's, it's run by yeah. the government? States, the states. The state runs the... How, how is the state able to get away with that? Do, it, and does that money go back into the community? Is that how they justify it? Like, yes. hey, we're raising this money, putting it back into the... And, and how much... Do you know how much money goes into the community and how much yeah. money people are making at Roughly. the time? Roughly. Off, off, to, off yeah. the top of my head, I'm going to get a little bit wrong, but... So for every dollar that goes, so first of all, 44 states legalized it. I think Utah, it doesn't have it. Some other states, I forget, like Alaska, Hawaii, something like that. Some of them don't have it because for whatever reason, they've said, we don't think this is bad for people okay, or whatever. Sure. Um, I don't know the origins of the lottery, but at some point, look, people are spending $80 billion a year. The government's taking, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's like meaningful revenue. So anytime the government's threatened by a revenue stream, like they're going to want to defend it. And the status quo is easier. If the, if the lotteries didn't exist, it would be harder to say, hey, let's monopolize a system where people buy tickets for $2 and we're going to take whatever. People might push back. But because it's been a thing for so long, it's harder to, the inertia, it's tough to take it away. So for every dollar that goes in the lottery, 6% goes to the convenience stores that sell it, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure the exact percent that goes like back to community programs. I mean, that's a big chunk of it. Sure. Like that's where it's going. Convenience stores, prizes, and then prizes to the people who buy the tickets, and then back to schools or like whatever. But the reality is, a lot of people playing the lottery are the same people that are like going to these public schools. Yeah. And the, so you're basically taking a dollar out of their pocket, paying some convenience stores, and, and like redistributing it back to supposedly those people, probably inefficiently. Like my view is the yeah. government generally spends money less efficiently than individuals who know what they might want to spend it on or private companies. I did research on the lottery a while. This is probably two years ago. So I wish I wish I had refreshed my uh, my my knowledge of this. But I remember something like um, like it was it was an abnormally high amount of people who play the lottery are unemployed or have a uh, uh, income significantly below the poverty line. And those yep. make up like sixty percent of people who play the lottery. Very few people earn who earn above like seventy thousand dollars a year play the lottery. I found that right. was very interesting. Sounds sounds right to me. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you okay? I'm going to spend ten up ten bucks a week on the lottery. Okay, you're thinking to yourself, okay, it's not that much. Like I'm just having some fun, and and it's not as long as it's not harmful to you. Right. But if you do over a year, that's five hundred bucks. Thirty years, it's fifteen grand. It, maybe you could have been either saving in, in a high yield savings account at first yeah. and later on investing and earning 7% compounded. That's not 15000 anymore. It's something much greater at that yeah. investment rate. But the psychology is like, what's $10 once a week? It feels like nothing. Yeah. And, and saving money is something that only pays off when you, until it's too late, right? You, you had a, a, an injury and you need to pay a hospital bill. You should have been saving the last year, but you weren't because it wasn't, there was no instant payoff to it. Uh, the lottery gives you instant payoff, right? You have hope, you have excitement for that period of time. People are bad at doing things that are good for them in the the long run, but tough in the short run. Yeah. So why, you know, why, why is everyone eating broccoli all day, right? Like, why is everyone going to the gym every day? All right. When once you get sick, or once you, you know you should have been going to the gym, then you start. It's like the same type of type of thing. We're not good at like preventative, right? Yeah. 
I do have to say, though, part of the fun for me, because I, I play the lottery every now and then, and it's usually when it gets up to like a crazy amount, then I'll be like, hey, you know what, I'm going to throw like 20 bucks and just see what happens. It is fun to uh, you get that little escape for you know an hour or so where you think to yourself, what if I win? What would I spend the money on? Agreed. Everyone does that. You sit there and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to think about winning here. Where is it going to go? And you map it all out in your head. Totally, and it's totally healthy. It's yeah. when you go to a sporting event, you're paying a hundred dollars for the ticket. There's no change; like you're losing a hundred dollars. You're yeah. having entertainment. You're paying twenty bucks right. for entertainment, and as long as it's entertainment, that's fine. But when it, you think it's going to get you out of a poverty trap, and that's like your investment strategy, yeah. that's when it's a problem. Yeah, like if you can afford to lose the money, it's enter- it's just entertainment, right? So you came up with this idea, Yada Bank, to solve this. It was legalized 2015. How do you go about actually starting up a company like that yeah so the fin the first step research like is this an opportunity right once you figure out you think it's an opportunity now you have to verify at least that was my approach so very one step at a time so the first thing i did after again researching looking at other things in the market seeing like why haven't they taken off we were not the first um so you got to figure out why didn't they take off so i talked to some users of other apps that existed tried to figure out what they like what didn't they like next step was try to come up with the actual concept put up a landing page so I recommend anyone do this that's thinking about an idea. Very cheap, very efficient. Put up a landing page that looks legit and have a wait list and make sure it communicates like your value proposition of like what you're going to build. Mm-hmm. Maybe even have a, a screen with the app that's just designed, right? Run ads to it. See if are people clicking through to it. Is the value proposition resonating with them? Are they willing to sign up for a wait list? And then we had a survey after they signed up for the wait list. We actually spoke to these people about this product that didn't exist we kind of pretended it existed yeah. or that we were working on it. Like, why'd you sign up? What, what interested you about this? So really trying to figure out, like, is, this, is there something here? It's easy to sign up for a wait list. So, yeah. I mean, you know, still, there's, there's degrees. Do 1% of people sign up? Do 15% who visit the page, right? Even better, if you have a, if you have a product that people are going to pay for, can you get people to pay in advance for it? Or pre-commit, like, okay, once this is built, I will pay $20 per what, a t-shirt, like whatever it is. Yeah, sure. Because that's more more buy-in. Um, so we saw some pretty good results with uh, running the ads to that page. Um, Why did the other apps fail? Yeah, so the biggest one that before us was called Long Game. And it was too much of a gamey interface, in my opinion. Like, with our product, we wanted to make it very simple and to run in the background so that it could be appealing to a, a lot of a wide group of people. If you have to log in every day and spin virtual wheels and do all these things to win five cents, two cents, whatever... At some point, it's not a good return on like your time. Like even though it's it's kind of fun to go in every day and to make five cents, like it's too much effort. So we wanted to make it very simple. We wanted to have a big grand prize. They didn't have their grand prize was like a thousand dollars. We thought having a grand prize was <clears throat> very very important mm-hmm. because half half the value of the lottery or pretty much all of it is this idea you can you can dream big and it's fun because you have hope. So if you're only winning a hundred bucks, five hundred bucks is the maximum prize. You know it's different. Right. And the other element was they were very non-social experiences. So these other apps would, um, again, you'd spin a virtual wheel. You'd do a lot of these things, and it was just you in your, in your own environment. With us, we wanted it to be similar to the lottery where everyone has the same winning numbers, right? So midweek, you might be talking about it to each other. You're part of the same game. And so I think that makes people talk about it more, which helps with growth. And also, it makes it less, feel less rigged. It's like playing a slot machine, right? You, sometimes you're like, oh, I wonder if it's just rigged against me. When you're spinning right. a virtual wheel, you're like, okay, like, are they just programming it to, to, to make me lose? For us, 
when you have your your phone says the same numbers as your phone says the same numbers as my phone, it's you know it's not rigged. Right. Got so it. those yeah. were some of the reasons. Okay. So you created this app. What was the feedback like from the people who signed up on the wait list? A lot excited. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were like, a lot of them didn't even know high yield savings accounts were a thing. Yeah. And so this idea they could get more than 0.01% from Chase or Wells Fargo was exciting. And a lot of them were like lottery players. How much did it cost to develop the app? Was it just you doing all of this on the back? Like, did you develop the whole thing or did you like pay out? At that time, it was, yeah. it was just me. Um, this was literally probably a little over two years ago. Um, first step was not developing it. It was designing it. And part of that was also for the website. It was to like design the website. And a friend of mine who actually now works with us, awesome UI UX designer, awesome developer, um, I just paid him to, to work with me on the initial concept. Hmm. Our, hourly, hourly, paid him hourly. Um, so the first step was designing the concept, not getting to development. Um, and then I ended up outsourcing the development to an to a to an agency and this was still i was paying for this mm. it probably cost 10 to 25 grand early on okay. of, of my own money um and you don't want to you don't want to go straight to development you because if you're going to outsource development you're going to get something unless you're very you have it very well defined you're gonna get something you don't expect so you want to make sure you have the everything very spec'd out when you click this button this is what happens this is what the screen looks like don't leave anything to the imagination mm. because again they're, they're not incentivized to build a great product. They're incentivized to get paid by the hour. And so they're going to follow whatever instructions you give them. And they're probably going to code it, not in the best way, but something that works. So we spent a lot of time writing a 10-page document saying, this is how everything's going to work for the initial prototype. Here's what it's going to look like. Now I can hand it over to you yeah. to develop. Simultaneously, we knew this type of idea was going to require money because we had to partner with a bank. And banks, they spend a lot of time and, and investment to working with you. And so they don't want to work with someone who has no money because are they going to be around in six months and is it right. worth, our, worth our effort? So while we were developing the app, I also, and the designs helped for this, went out, put together an investor deck and raised from angels, friends, and family an initial fundraising round. That's for this idea, we needed to do that. Like yeah. for some ideas, you can do a lot more and Just build something. It yourself. Yeah. How much did you have to raise in the beginning? And how do you find a bank to partner with? What's that process like? And how much money do you need? Like, can I go... And be like, hey, I got like two million bucks. Let me let me bank with you. If you if you were serious about it, and you, yeah, you, you could. So wait, that, so you're amount. saying so I could start my own bank, fund it myself, partner. with my own money, partner with a bank, yeah, partner, par, partner, partner, with, yeah, partner. With you gotta bank, be careful, yeah. legal distinction yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Partner with yeah. a bank, okay. But you 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 could. Um, so at the time, this was two years ago. Yeah. There's there was I mean, you go directly to a bank, and in which case they're not really well-versed in working with startups. And that was, they wanted to have millions of dollars uh, to work with them. Mm. There are a few companies that had emerged that were in the business of connecting startups with banks to work with. And these companies, because they were doing it, they, they had the compliance teams, they have everything, and their whole business was connecting banks with startups. They required, we still needed to be raised $500,000. So we had to have enough money to where they wanted to work with us. Mm -hmm. But because they were kind of this middleman and they make it a lot easier, um, that's who we ended up going with. Today, there are a lot of these types of companies now. Mm -hmm. There's probably 10, 8 to 10 maybe, companies that their whole business is to connect banks with startups. There's a lot of regional banks in the country that's not the Chase's, the Wells Fargo of the world that are doing this because mm -hmm. they just doesn't move the needle for them. A lot of regional banks in Tennessee or the, the Midwest that have consumer branches that there's not that big. Yeah. And so they realized, hey, if we partner with 
companies that are raising millions of dollars, spending a lot on advertising, and we can work with them. They're they're bringing us the youth, the customers. Yeah, this is a better strategy. And How, you had to yeah. raise five hundred thousand dollars in order to be partnered with them. Something in that range. We ended up doing five hundred. Um, the monthly fee itself at the time was going to be ten grand a month, and then. We probably could have done a little bit less, but we also need, wanted money for development and other yeah. things. Now, were these banks skeptical? Like, you go to them and say, hey, we're running this prized link savings account kind of that's running yes. almost as a sweepstakes. We don't want to do that. Like, how many banks were sketched out and said no? Or yeah, did any? there were... When we went directly to the banks, definitely. Uh, they were like, uh, we're not so sure about this. Like, this sounds a little bit weird. Two or three of them probably were like, mm. let's pass for now yeah. two years ago um but all you need is one right um and so but yeah that that was an issue uh because it sounds weird right it sounds weird that this thing that totally new no one's yeah. done a thing a bank system like this um so yeah there were a lot of questions and a lot of diligence and things like that to see like, yeah they, they did diligence for sure yeah even the ones we partnered with they did a lot of diligence to make sure that what we're doing is kosher yeah so when you launched then uh, what was that process like? How do you how do you even launch something like that? Is it just word of mouth at that point, or so initially? Again, this is incrementality, right? Take it step one step at a time. When we launched, we initially got friends and family to join, mainly because we wanted to make sure there weren't any major issues that were going to be facing the public when they joined the app, right? So probably had a few weeks of just friends and family testing. Once we felt good about that, the next step was we were running ads on social, trying to get people to use the app that weren't connected to us. Mm -hmm. Main reason is you don't want to like spend a ton of time growing something that people don't like. And so yeah. the first question was, can we get 100 or 200 people to sign up, make deposits and like stick around? And until we knew that people were sticking around, it's not, it's not worth investing in growth because if you have a leaky bucket where people are signing up, sure, but they're going to, they're going to leave you in two weeks. Then like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. So the first step was again, can we get 100, 200 people to have a good experience what good experience means can be different for lots of different companies. For us, it was looking at retention, right? Like, are they depositing two months later? Are they growing at the deposits? Are they churning? Are they withdrawing? And then once you get, once you feel like you have something that's retaining people, then I think is the time to just look at growth. And for us, it was still, we did a little bit of paid, but not too much. The paid yeah. was more, the paid ads was more to just test it out. Yeah. Post on a lot of online forums, uh, YouTube, um, things like that. And added a referral program. And the referral program has been great too. Got um, it. So when I saw Ask Sebi's first video reviewing that bank account, had you talked to him before? Or did he do this on, on his own? Or how, how did that? Because that, that's what caught yeah. me. We spoke to him, I believe, right after the video. So Sebi, um, we were in Y Combinator, which is a... Oh, yeah. Tell us about yeah. this. So sorry, I skipped that part. Yeah, so we... What happened there? We raised that $500,000 of funding a year and a half ago now. Last summer, we... And then you... So Y Combinator is a, a program in, in Silicon Valley where you apply to get accepted and they invest 150000 at the time uh, for a percentage of the company. And you apply to get in, they take 1% to 2% of applicants. It's, it's pretty competitive. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's almost like the Stanford, Harvard of like startups. You go there, um, there's a great group of partners, they call them, that have seen everything in the startup world that give you advice for a two-month period. You're with a lot of companies in a similar stage. Mm -hmm all motivating each other, setting goals, learning from each other. Um, so it's almost like a startup school in a way. Mm. So we were in that for two months last summer. Um, and at the end of it, it sets you up very well um, because investors really like to see, 
oh, that company was in Y Combinator. It's a good stamp of approval of that this is something possibly worth investing in. Obviously, you need to show that you are worth investing in. Um, but Sebi, I believe he had kind of followed the Y Combinator companies. So he saw us and then reached out, I believe, right after the video. Mm. And was like, hey, saw you were in Y Combinator. Seems super interesting. Would love to invest. Um, Sebi is so good. So Sebi's people the best. Und- I, I don't know if people underestimate it, but, but I got to say, he is one of the sharpest investors when it comes to startup companies. I had no idea. I'm asking him advice on other companies that he's helping me out with, just with these terms I don't even understand. Right. But he's able to, he, he's a, a genius when it comes to stuff like this. Right. And so then did he reach out to you after that, I guess? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, so, so the story was that uh, I kept getting, and I don't know if it was from Sebi's video, I kept getting this comment, review Yada Bank, review Yada Bank. And prior to this, I had, I was big on high interest savings accounts. So like every year I'd be like the best high interest savings account of 20. 20 or whatever. So people kept saying Yada Bank, Yada Bank, Yada Bank. And I'll be honest, I didn't like the name Yada. Mm. I really didn't get it. And I thought Yada is, reminds me of that that old uh, early 2000s song where it's like Yada, Yada, yeah, Yada. Yeah. It that, just reminded uh, me of that. I'm like Yada. But and like, what's Yada? It's just, I, the name didn't click with me. Yeah. And it just, it sounded like one of these like gimmicky things. So I, I didn't, I didn't uh, pursue that. But I happened to see Ask Sebi's video that said the best high interest savings account, Yada Bank. And I was like, okay, well, let me at least see this. So I watched his video. I'm like, that's kind of interesting. So I downloaded the app. And I think, I don't know if I immediately put like 10 grand in the app. I, I put some amount like that immediately into the app. I think it was 10K. And you trusted it because of Ask Sebi, basically. Yes. Only because of Ask Sebi. Yeah. If it were. Anyone else, I, I don't, I wouldn't have done it, but because I saw his video and then I read a video from the, uh, or I read a, a blog from the doctor of credit. And I think it was between those two. It was like, I trust Ask Sebi. I trust the doctor of credit. If both of these people are saying, well, the average interest rate, I think at the time was like two and a half percent, something like that. I'm like, let me try it out. And so I put $10,000 in the app and I think it was like that first week. And this is a fluke of luck, by the way. I had won like 200 and something dollars, wow. like 300 bucks that first week. And again, that was a fluke. So I text, asked Sebi my winning numbers. And I said like, hey, by the way, I just want to say thank you for your video. Because of your video, uh, I won like 300 bucks. This is so cool. And I remember telling Jack about this too and Macy because if I referred, uh, I think it was for every referral, I got like 100 tickets yep. or something like that. So I was like, well... If I could get an extra 200 tickets today just by telling Jack and Macy, I'm going to do it. So then they both signed up. I got my extra tickets. And I was like, I'm all stoked about this. I was planning to make a video about it. And so then he introduced me to you after I told him that I was really impressed. I was planning to make a video anyway reviewing it. But then being in touch with you was like... I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, and we had a mutual mutual friend too from LA. Yeah. Um, so what what was the high school you went? It was Harvard Westlake. Harvard Westlake. Well, which yeah. high school were you? Uh, New Roads. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what year? I was two th- class of two thousand eight. Twenty ten. Okay. Yeah. 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 But still, all those groups kind of overlap a little bit. But yeah, we had a mutual friend. Yeah. Um, I I don't remember who. Spen- it was. I think Spencer Friedman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spencer. Yeah. And I think Spencer was also in investment banking. Yeah. Can you go into that? Yeah. 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 Okay, so yep, there we go. Exactly. Yeah, so he dated my girlfriend at the time, her one of her best friends. Oh, yeah. interesting. So yeah. Everything, everything comes together. Yeah. So anyway, so just with all these connections, I felt comfortable, and I was like, I want to invest. I want to find some way where I could get involved in this, 
uh, because I had never done an investment like that before. Like my investments were always really up until that point yeah. it was just like real estate, Roth IRA. That was it. Yep. So for me, this was like a brand new world. And uh, Ask Seppi was really helpful nice in navigating man. a lot of that and answering those questions. So then I made my video. And tell us what happened, because uh, I don't know if you were prepared for as many people to sign up. Yeah, that was quite a, quite a weekend. Uh, I think it went out on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, and we just had sign-ups coming in left and right and up and down. And uh, all weekend, we didn't have a customer support team yet. So like we had, I, I was helping on the customer support. And all weekend, we were just trying to trying to keep things up. Uh, so yeah, it was that was a crazy weekend. I think we we tripled like that weekend. Yeah, in terms of signups. Yeah, um, but along with that, though, we got to talk about the the Ponzi scheme. Oh yes, what is this? What <laughs> so, is this? I got to say, a lot of people were very upset because they said, "I can't believe Graham is going to promote a Ponzi scheme." This sounds like a Ponzi scheme. This is like the, this is gambling. Uh, I want you to address everyone who says it's a Ponzi scheme, why yep. it's not a Ponzi scheme. Yep. How we actually know the numbers being picked are truly double blind. How do we know that nobody knows the numbers before? How do we know that you're not involved in this? Or like, explain the background about this. So the, I'll start with maybe the gambling side. So yeah. what makes if, so what makes gambling gambling is the possible loss of money. With us, you deposit money. It's in an FDIC insured bank. You cannot. You can never lose that. Uh, up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's just the law. The same way Chase Bank of America operate. So gambling means you can lose money. In terms of the, the, the prize drawings, we have a $10 million jackpot, which if someone won that prize, us paying it out would be pretty harmful to the business, obviously. We partner with an insurance company that we pay them for every entry, no matter what, every week, a certain amount of money. And if someone hits the jackpot, they pay it out. Um, and because of that, every week they pick the winning numbers. And there's no way, I guess, for me to prove this to you, but they pick the winning numbers. They don't see anyone's picks. We, in theory, could see the picks. Like, we don't, but obviously it's our app. Like, we could see what the numbers are. Um, You're saying you could see the numbers before they come out? No, we could oh. see, like, you pick one, two, three, four, five, oh, six, Oh, so you could seven. see my numbers right. that I picked, but you couldn't see their numbers that they so picked. So if we were the ones we're picking the winning numbers every night, like, you could say, oh, Adam, are you guys looking at my, Graham's picks and saying, okay, I'm going to pick numbers nobody has, right? Uh, but because the insurance company is picking it, it's it's blind. Like they don't see. They they have no way to see the numbers people are picking. We have no way to know what numbers they're choosing. Um, how do I prove this to you, hundred percent? I mean, I do, I don't know. You contact the company and do some do some diligence on it. Mm -hmm. That is how it works. Um, and the reality is, we want someone to win. If anything, we want someone to win the grand prize. We're paying for. We're paying the insurance anyway. Mm -hmm. So if someone wins that prize, that would be amazing nope. publicity. Is it like car insurance where you get in an accident, like your insurance goes up? If someone hits yeah. that 10 mil, does so, all of a sudden your insurance go up after that? Oh no, because <laughs> the reality is, why does insurance, again, why does insurance go up after an accident? Something has changed about you as a driver. You're now riskier because you're underwriting something that is not certain. There's a difference between, there's a difference between risk and uncertainty. With a sweepstakes system with numbers being drawn, you can calculate the exact math behind the game. So just because someone wins doesn't change the underlying principle of this is the math. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're doing home, insu home insurance, right, and it's uh, Louisiana and there's a hurricane or whatever, mm -hmm. maybe something changes in your model where you're like, okay, we underestimated the actual risk because there is no math behind it. It's just history, right? right? And so with car insurance, it goes up probably because they're like, well, they gave him insurance last time because he had a clean driving history. He's gotten in an accident. Maybe he's not as safe as we thought. With this, someone wins. They're not like, okay, math changes. 
Sure. Right? Yeah. Now, you do say that uh, you don't lose anything. One of the comments that I got repeatedly is that technically you are gambling with the extra money that you could have made at Ally Bank. So you're paying a 0.2% interest rate. Ally Bank is paying 0.5. So you're paying 0.3% interest on your money for the chance at, at earning way more than that. That is, there is an opportunity cost, right? So let's say you get really lucky with us. You might get a 10% APY. You get super unlucky, win no prizes. You might get the base 0.2%. So yes, when you win less than what Ally is paying guaranteed, you might have lost some foregone opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's real. I mean, but you're still not losing anything in the sense of what you put in. Like, yes, there might be an opportunity cost there. The reality is with our prizes, the average, uh, People win a lot more than 0.5% on average. Yep. But if you if you win less than that, sure, you could have made more. The same way when you're sitting on the couch on a Friday night watching TV, you could be drive, driving an Uber and you could have made $10. Like, yeah, yeah sure. There's that element. But but you can't, yeah, that there, whatever you put in is totally, totally protected. Whatever you win is protected. But if you view it from an opportunity cost perspective, yeah, sure. But so is that everything in life, right? You, you know, maybe I could have done something, you know, yeah. yeah. So. That's what I would say. Does the insurance company pay out every single payout, or do they just pay out the, the just, grand prize? Just the grand prize. Got it. The rest of the prizes are funded from, from Yada. Um, yeah. Got it. So it's only the $10 million. Yep. Got it. Okay. And yeah. again, the reason we, we, we did this is because, again, we thought having a big jackpot was very important. Yeah. There's a chicken and egg problem, which is you can't offer a big jackpot unless you have a ton of people. You can't have a ton of people unless you've grown. And so if you want to offer a big prize from day one, you need to do it. You need to do it with insurance. Yeah. If you go to a sporting event and there's the half-court shot, a lot of these prizes are really insured. Um, so a lot of these jackpots you see in the world, not yeah. the lottery, because again, yeah. the lottery has millions of participants every week. Right, they yeah. don't need it, but... That's interesting. Really curious. Yeah. Can you say how much that insurance costs? Um, Asking the important questions. I'm... And is it paid like per month? It's paid per entry. So every ticket has a cost associated with it. No way. Yeah, I did not. Well, the, it makes sense. The more right? entries, yeah, yeah, the more yeah, chances to win. So, um, so yeah, every month it costs us around the tens of thousands uh, for the insurance on that jackpot. Wow. Um, yeah, and so the, how they price it, how they think about it is, what are the odds of someone winning? What is our payout? And like any insurance, how much we need to charge to make a margin on that? Yeah. Um, is there a certain time or amount that you guys will have to be worth until you guys remove the insurance? Yes. Thing? Uh, we have to get, uh, there's a much bigger to be able to do 10 million on like a weekly basis. We'd probably start out by doing it on a monthly basis or something like that first. But yeah. again, when you're funding a jackpot like that with the lottery, every dollar that goes in is a dollar that contributes to the, to the pool mm-hmm. with us. It's a percentage of that. Right. And so it requires way more scale. So in the UK, for example, they offer two prizes of a million a month, not a week. Um, and they have. A third of the population on it and so you need massive scale before you can like self-fund Got the it. huge prizes so this is expensive to run yes. yeah how expensive is it every month like what are, what are the overhead costs how many employees are involved do you do you pay yourself a salary and yeah so it's in the hundreds of thousands i don't give the exact numbers it's in the hundreds of thousands per month uh to operate um 12 full-time employees and then we work with a bunch of freelancers and agencies that probably makes us in the 20s. Um, and yeah, we pay us, everyone, everyone makes salary. So me and my co-founder make a salary. Um, 
Can you say what your salary is? No, I can't. I can't. I can't. Maybe one day if I have a big YouTube channel and, you know, then, then, I'll, then I'll publish all, all the financial details. But not today. Okay. I want to know. That's fine. Okay. We want to know. Not today. Okay. It's in line with what you'd see at any Series A funded like startup. We have, we have a lot of metrics and, and intelligence on, there's a lot of data out there on what, people in any role at a startup make and we use that when same thing without me and my co-founder so got it it's you know median for for yeah our type of a company got it uh what sort of expenses have come up that you have not anticipated uh fraud so yeah you you can plan for all your expenses but you don't know how much first of all you don't know how much you know fraud was that big of a deal and you don't know how much it's going to be in a given month because sometimes you have like fraud rings that try to do crazy stuff um, I don't want to get into the details of how they, they get away with it, but the banking system is, the rules around the banking system are written such that it's very easy to commit financial wire ACH fraud, removing money. Hmm. So every month, like, you know, we're doing a better job of this. And a lot of people will complain, oh, why are my limits this? Why is it this? And I'm not trying to commit fraud. And like, yeah, but there's the, there's the sub 1% of people that are, and it kind of ruins it's why settlement times have to be a little bit longer. It's why limits have to be a thing. Um, and it sucks because it ruins it for all the people that are good actors. But um, that's been the one that, and that can be in the t- tens of thousands a month, like um, easy. And it's a big problem across the whole industry right now with COVID. Mm. Now about the sweepstakes aspect of this, technically to be a sweepstakes, you have to have a uh, no consideration entry, which means you can mail in an entry. Uh, how many mail-ins do you get? We don't get very many. Really? Uh, in the but you do get some. We get some. Okay. Single, double digits, type range. Yeah. So nothing that really moves the needle. The reality is, the postage cost, like for it's, you know, it's, it's just not worth it for people. Yeah. I mean, some people don't do the math, but it costs fifty cents to mail something. Yeah. I mean, most people on the app have a lot of tickets, right? So they're winning stuff. But if you have one ticket. Yeah. You're probably not going to win the fifty cents back in a given week. Yeah. And so, yeah. You know what's wild? So I, I, I don't want to say I learned this the hard way, but uh, I wanted to do a uh, giveaway with public.com. Link down below in the description. You can get a free stock worth all the way up to mm-hmm. $1,000. So I wanted to do that, but I wanted to. I, I, listen, I thought it was such an easy thing. I was like, how about this? I'm going to pay out of pocket to give somebody a free stock who just goes on public, deposits 100 bucks, and uh, in the next week, I just want to get – I'm paying out of pocket. on. Like I'm doing this myself. Just want to give them a free share of Tesla, a seven hundred dollars share, and just randomly pick somebody for one winner. For one, one winner, I did not realize the legal complexity of doing that, and all of a sudden now that's considered gambling. Yep. Even though technically you don't have to invest the hundred, you could deposit a hundred and then take it out immediately after. Uh, technically, that's gambling because now you're paying paying right uh, for the chance to win a prize. Oh my gosh, the legal work that we had to do, unfortunately, it kind of ruined it, but... Um, yeah, that goes back to the initial point about cons- yeah. consideration, right? Right. Depositing but money is could be consideration. It was horrible. So it was like a few weeks of... And Public has an amazing legal team that like worked with me to try to get this done. Uh, but yeah, part of that was that you there, there's a mail-in entry. And I'm thinking, okay, it's it's in it's in the disclaimer, it's in the fine print, and you like you have to scroll down to like see no purchase necessary. Click the link, uh, you know, you figure out where to mail your entry. Um, so I was thinking, what maybe like a few people are going to do this? Yeah. Hundreds. Wow. I kid you not. You got a PO box for them for the mail? Hundreds. 
Uh, yeah. Well, I, no. Well, I, I don't handle it. Yeah. So they handle it all. Uh, so see, like, I'm removed. I'm simply just like funding this. But they're they're legal. Well, it probably costs them way more to give away this stock to comply with regulation. But um, the founder of, of Public sent me a picture with this these bins of envelopes. Yeah, I, that I, were all entries, and I'm like. How? And it turns out what's interesting is that there are these sweepstake groups yep. that what they do is they automatically compile. And it's, it's a group of like, they're, they're almost always like, you know, I don't want to say the elderly, but they're, they're almost always people uh, in their 60s and 70s uh, who they get in these groups, sweepstakes groups, and they all do it together. And they have a big list and they don't even know what they're signing up for. They're just like the mail, 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 mail. Right. And it's just a numbers game and they eventually get it back. Do they but, do they automate the printing of the entries, you know, or they handwrite it? Uh because you can, you can on usually the, say the, it has to be handwritten. Yeah, on the picture. And Alex, you know what? I could maybe send you this. Um, maybe I could send to you show? this picture. Yeah. Here's okay. So here's one of the bins. How wild is that? Look at that. I'm not That's surprised. One. That's one of the bins. Look. Those are all and entries. There were, there were a lot of those. Those are all entries. Yes. Multiple. Multiple bins, and this was this was a disclaimer on the bottom of your page on the website. So they they had to they had to comply with whatever the regulation was. So whatever was required to make it a legal sweepstakes. Oh yeah, what they did. Totally know. Yeah, but I know for myself, like you don't look at the no purchase necessary option in the fine print and see like there's probably some forum or something that can go and they can find all of the people running sweepstakes and they all load it onto there. Yeah, and is it worth it? Right. So so when you're giving away a thousand dollar prize, I could see that for sure. Like or seven hundred Tesla stock. Yeah. Uh, someone's just like, oh, let me take a shot at 700. With us, it's a little bit like, oh, what's a ticket? What's it worth? It's a little bit less, um, you know, clear. Yeah. And so, yeah, one issue, if you offer a sweepstakes that is too valuable, yeah. That like, is that's... interesting. You could have said, okay, yeah. uh, if you sign up, you get 100 tickets. Uh, and then if entries, you do the mail-in, maybe. or entries, and if you do the mail-in, you get one ticket. You, you might be mean? able to do something like that. There are some nuances where yeah. you have to give mail-ins the same, like, so they could be able to mail in a hundred times. Yeah, you could do that. If they'd have, if they'd have to be able to mail in a hundred times to get a hundred entries to be able to do the same. You sign up, you get a million yeah. tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate because a lot of these yeah. giveaways, the mail in entries make the sweepstakes almost like not possible sometimes. But a lot of these sweepstakes are are they're not again. I don't think yeah, they're, they're gambling, right? No. Like it's, it's just the way the laws are written. Unfortunately, yeah. right? Like you're not trying to. There's nothing negative that could happen to anyone if you didn't mm-hmm. have the mail in option, right? Right. When are you planning on like dissolving your relationship with Evolve Bank? Like, what evaluation do you guys have need yeah. to have to have your own bank? And then also, at what point are you guys just going to sell it off, or are you going to continue to grow it forever? Yeah. So on the Evolve side, um, no plans to to switch anytime soon or to to focus on that. Um, there's a lot of big neo like the, even the biggest neo banks out there generally are still partnering with banks. Um, you need to get to a scale that like really makes sense to to go through the effort of Sometimes you you buy a bank or you become you actually buy a bank to get yeah. their charter or you become a bank and go through the chartering process. It's very expensive, very mm-hmm. time consuming. And so when you're a young company, you're really trying to prove out like is there a demand for this product? Your risk isn't like we we know we can cut costs. Like we know we can be more efficient. We know that. The question is can we attract enough attention, enough users, enough deposits, enough product use at which it makes sense to start cutting those costs? Because we again we have fixed resources, we need to focus on that right now. Because we know the other stuff is possible, it just takes time and money. And so, you know, switching banks is is always a possibility. Um, because again, you have terms with the banks in terms of what does an ACH cost? What there's fees all over the board there that we pay the bank to work with them. So if we can switch to a bank that's giving us a better deal, that's always a possibility for us. 
there is a lot of headache to doing that. If you look at your debit card, it'll say the bank's name on it. So we have, we'd have to manage multiple programs where we have to have some evolve and some new bank. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a headache for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like selling or growing, we're very focused on, on just growing as a standalone uh, entity right now. What would that look like in a few years from now? Like, where do you see Yada integrating? And because and, it, it's got to be more than yeah. a, just a savings account yeah. right now. Yeah, and so far we've rolled out a lot of new new, new features that make it more than a savings account. Uh, debit card. There's now more flexibility in terms of bill pay, sending checks, depositing checks. You can really use it as a full bank right now. And we're working on credit cards, credit building loan products to help people build their credit. Um, someday we want to get into like the ETF investing, right? Helping people. Because once you save, the next step is to start investing. We don't want to be like a Robin Hood offering individual stocks and make it like that. We want to probably do more index fund type stuff. Mm. So over the next few years, we want to become a place people can really make it their primary bank. Um, and so we're doing a lot of stuff related to that. Um, also, fo- really focused on adding a lot of social features um, that help people enjoy it together, mm-hmm. which improves our defensibility. So if someone copies us, it's harder to leave. If you and your friends are all participating, yeah. what is the typical? Let's say for myself as an investor, what's the typical return look like down the line? Is it usually an acquisition? We we sell, or is it it just gets so big that it's profitable and profits are shared, or is it like it becomes a publicly traded company? Or how does that it's, work? So usually? it's probably more common. So most startups fail, right? Yeah. And so it's more common that failing sometimes means you get hired, you get aqua hired, you get bought out for a very small amount and the investors get their money back or a, or a percentage of it. Sometimes mm-hmm. if they lose, they get some of it back. Um, so that's probably by far the most common on a number of times it happens basis on like a dollars return basis to mm-hmm. investors. I would imagine the companies that are standalone companies and IPO make up a lot of the dollar right percentage of returns to investors. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big IPOs and then, you know, the biggest IPOs are usually bigger than the biggest acquisitions, which is why, um, so yeah, at some point, it's not that you share. I mean, you could share in the profits if if the company pays out dividends at some mm-hmm. point. That's usually way down the line, especially yeah. for a tech startup. Yeah, um, so it seems like either the options are IPO yes. at the top, acquisition, and then what? Then the company just doesn't, just some, fails. And yep. then, now, now, let's say for both for myself and for a user of Yada Bank, let's just say it doesn't work out. I'm guessing there's never a point where there's not a value to the company. So there's always yeah. something that could be like, hey, well, we failed, but this company's willing to buy us out at X amount, take over all of our users, yeah. and then, yeah. Yeah, we saw that happen recently with, I think, uh, Simple Bank or something, where they were kind of like, uh, I don't know the exact details, but like, I think PNC bought them or Aqua hired them, and they just rolled P- they rolled Simple into their mm. into their existing product, and they just renamed it. So I mean, if if that happens, yeah, sometimes they'll a company could take you over and keep you operating as a standalone app. Sometimes they'll integrate you into their existing product, mm-hmm. and so you'll just roll your accounts into their existing um, application, whether for PNC, PNC, like whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's how it probably play out in that and case. What would be your goal? Let's say five years from now. Five years from now, I mean, I, I guess IPO is the ultimate goal, yeah. like standalone company. Um. Why and why would there be an IPO? Is that as a way to cash out, or is that as a way to like the yeah. next way to grow? Or because it seems like if you get to a point yeah. of an IPO, uh, why do that for the company? Yeah, unless it's to raise more capital. So 
in the current world, like you can be a private company right now and raise a lot of money. There's like a lot of money. 20 years ago, people weren't raising billions of dollars in the private markets, I don't think. And so people would use the IPO to be able to raise a lot more. In today's world, it's probably more common to IPO, not for the money, because you can usually get the money in private markets, but for a lot of investors, employees, founders, us, um, you know, they've been, they've been, had their cash locked up for a long time and it's a, it's a, it's a way to cash out for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually it's not about, the, and that's why you're seeing a lot of direct listings do now from tech companies. Direct listings mean you IPO, but you're not selling new shares. You're not raising money for the company. You're just listing and existing shares are bought and sold. Um, so yeah, a lot of people will say it's to raise money. I, I think it's usually to, to get liquidity for, and it's not for the investors and for the founders and employees that have been locked up with with the shares and it for, for yeah. a long time. Now, what would it take in anybody IPO or does, does it have to be built out to a certain amount before you decide to do an IPO? How does that so, work? I'm not sure what there's like a threshold. There probably is a threshold in terms of what your implied valuation would be. There's public companies that are in the low hundreds of millions valuation, pretty rare to be under like a hundred million in a public company, unless mm-hmm. you started out way bigger and you've just share prices gone down. Yeah. Um, the typical IPO is probably in the, I don't know, five hundred million to ten billion valuation sure. range. Okay. Uh there there probably is some thresholds around I don't think it's a revenue threshold. I think it's a number of shares and evaluation, but I don't know. Got it's it. some, there's something. And what would Yada have to do to get to that point? I I don't know offhand. Okay. I mean I don't know. Okay. We'd have to be yeah, we'd have to million millions of users. Um yeah. Million I'd say millions of users is probably the the bar. Okay. Um Got it. You could make us one step closer using the link down below in the description. Nice. Yeah. 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 hundred tickets. Refer. Uh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Refer who's who's TV. link, Graham? I want my. I want. I want the hundred tickets. You, you want that, but I want the hundred tickets too, Graham. We'll work it out. There's right. one thing that I feel like um, with the debit card. I told you about the the Venmo Cash App situation with it. Mm. Very interesting. Mm. So people are Venmoing people. their you know the friends all the time. You're not getting any rewards for it. You get charged a fee for using a credit card on Venmo, Cash App, all these services, because merchants pay a fee. If you use a debit card on all these platforms, they don't charge a fee. But no one does this, because most debit cards don't have rewards. So what's really interesting is with our debit card, you get tickets, plus you get the chance to get what you just bought for free. Mm-hmm. You use it on, on Venmo, Cash App, a lot of these like peer-to-peer payments uh, platforms, you get those rewards. So right now, let's say you send Jack 20 bucks for, for dinner. Right now, you're, you're doing on, on Venmo. And you're not getting rewards. Use a debit card. You get whatever rewards debit card has because they process it as a purchase, mm. which is a very interesting like use case we've seen in general. What's the limit on that? It's whatever the so they it's a purchase, right? So Venmo is processing it as a purchase. So it's whatever limits they have for you, and that could be different. Now, what's to stop me from Venmoing Jack? Venmoing me, Jack, and it just bounces between us. Jesus. Whoa, wow. That was it. a good catch. <laughs> Did we get we got that. Did we get in slow We got that. <laughs> Play it uh, back in slow mo, please. <laughs> Obviously we hit a uh, sensitive topic. <laughs> that was uh, that was what a wow, catch. Wow, okay. <laughs> wow. Oh, what's the stop? So nothing. <laughs> Nothing's to stop it. Except Venmo's policies. Or right. Cash App's policies. Got it. It's just processed as a purchase. Does that hurt Yada no. at all? No. No. It's um, Where does the money come from, though? Because here's yeah. the, the, the thing is that if we keep bouncing money yeah, back so, and forth, we're racking up tickets between us. Yes. Uh, who pays? There's, there's a little yes, interchange fee in there. there. Is. Who pays that? 
So interchange, for those who don't know, credit cards and debit cards, when you buy a sandwich, the merchant is paying the card networks, the issuing bank of the card, a fee for their servicing of that payment. They do it because people are used to paying with cards now. Sometimes people pay more than the, in the history, they paid more with cards than with cash. And so it's just people spend more because they feel like it's plastic and not real money. Mm-hmm. But these merchants pay a fee. With credit cards, that fee is often like 2 to 3%. With debit cards, it's typically like... Five to 10, 0.05 to 0.2%, so it's very cheap. So when you're making a bigger purchase often or you're using Venmo or whatever, they're not gonna let you pay with, send money to Jack with a credit card because they're paying 3%. With most debit cards, they're paying a tiny fee mm-hmm. and they do it because it's convenience, they wanna have money move easily and so they don't charge fees for debit cards. There was an amendment passed in 2010, 2011, small banks, small issuing banks that have debit cards get paid a lot more interchange. So whereas a traditional big Bank of America debit card makes 0.1% on every transaction, smaller banks can make 1% to 1.6%. And so you're able to give better rewards as a smaller, or if you partner with a smaller bank or if you are a smaller bank. But a lot of companies don't charge fees for debit cards because 99% of the debit card transactions are from big banks and it's like zero. Mm. And so it's just an interesting... That's really interesting. And they just passed that because they wanted more small banks? I don't know the reason why they passed it. I don't know. There's got to be a reason. I, I've not looked in like the reason why that was passed. That's fascinating. Yeah. So you just pass on the rewards to us. So yeah, when you're Venmo someone, Venmo's paying an interchange fee. When anyone uses a debit card, they're paying a fee. Um, and so yeah, we've seen people use it for for Venmo for rent, or if you you know mm. sometimes you pay your rent and you're paying a you can't use a credit card, but they often right. accept debit card. That's a, maybe you guys could start just bouncing money back and forth. Venmo Jeez. might uh, have problems with it. But how much? I, I, cause I Venmoed quite a lot of money back and forth just throughout, you know, whatever. Um, it, I wonder how high the amount would have to be for them to catch on. Unless they have it, a limit. Venmo has a limit? Yeah. Venmo has, it's like $1,000. Or what is it? Again, it's probably, not. they probably have a different limit for different people. That's the thing. I know. They probably have different limits for different people. Alex? Alex, pull that up. <laughs> While we're waiting on that, um, I wanted to ask you this too. Do you have any concerns over the regulation of gamification? Uh, now, for those that don't know, Rob, Robinhood yeah. is under fire because they've gamified investing. Yes. They made it really fun. Like you scratch off a ticket yeah. and confetti comes down. And you make a trade. It's like, oh, you made your first trade. <laughs> they make it like a video game. Are you concerned that Yada is similar to that aspect where it's like a number rolls yeah. out of a rolling thing? And, you know, is that a, a concern? The concern is more that like perception can be reality. But if you really look at it, like gamification itself is not the bad thing, right? The reason Robinhood gets scrutiny is because they gamify something that makes people do do a risky thing that sometimes they don't know what they're doing. It's not gamification that's bad, right? It's the fact that it's driving a behavior that mm. people don't understand. They think their stock's always going to go up, so they put too much money in it, and it can go, can go down. So I don't think gamification is bad, but I think public perception is often, oh, this thing looks like this thing, so this is bad, and you know this is bad because this is bad, or possibly bad. Mm-hmm. So from a perception perspective, yes, we have to educate people. Yes, it's gamification, like Robinhood, but the key difference is, again, all the money's FDIC insured. You could say you're losing an opportunity cost of foregoing a return in the market or in mm-hmm. an ally or whatever it is. Um, but like gamification itself, in my opinion, like in the way we're using it, is not is not a negative right. thing. Got it. Alex, we find those limits? Yes. Uh, it is $4,999.99 per week uh, as long as you have a 
you know, ID linked to your account, which got it. we okay. all do. I mean, that makes sense. I don't think I have an ID link. Yeah. All right, then well, your I'm limit is two hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents per week. The what is three hundred dollars if you have no like uh, ID oh, link? Yep. Oh, I probably have an ID okay. link. Yeah, yeah, must. I was looking online on YouTube and I saw that somebody actually won the Tesla and oh, yeah. maybe you guys, according to your calculations, you didn't expect them to win so fast. Is that true? So I actually think. We've had fewer Tesla winners than expected so far, which is just a matter of luck, right? It's yeah. it's a sample size. <clears throat> so no, we, we we actually expected someone to win. Like it's not that it's not that crazy that someone won it. Um, so yeah, no, I think it, it wasn't that crazy given given the math behind it. Did they take the Tesla Tesla or the cash equivalent? The Tesla, every single time. Uh, only one winner so far. Oh oh yeah, I've seen his. Uh, you reached out to him and you made a video with him, right? Yep. Yeah, it's good advertising. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's great. I want to ask a question that I want to know, but the audience might want to know, and I don't know if you can answer it, Graham. All right, let's hear it. How much did you invest in Yada? Can't say. Ooh. Oh, can't say. Wait, you can't say because you don't want to, or you actually it's, can't say. It's in. It's 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 six figures. It's in the six figures. Wait, what? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, but if you wanted to say, could you say? It? Uh, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't I, know. I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd rather. I'll say no. It's better. It's better. Leave it to the imagination. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'll thank say. I'll say you yeah. can't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good question, though. Good question. Asking the tough ones. They yeah. were probably wondering. Yeah. But you know the audience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Leave it, leave it to the imagination. <laughs> thank you cool. so much. It was really Thanks nice meeting me. you yeah. too. Thank you. Nice meeting you guys. Finally. I know, I know. Thank yeah. you so much for making it all the way up to Vegas for doing yeah. this. It means a lot. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. I don't want to make this come off as like sounding uh, sponsored right. or anything like that because it's not. Um, but we uh, were able to work out just now. If you do actually want to sign up, we'll give you an extra hundred tickets on top of yep. your extra hundred tickets. We'll find a link down below in the description. So if you want to sign up, try it out. And uh, if you have any uh, issues or anything, now you could reach out to the yeah, Yada could, customer service. Do you reach ever out to answer me, those yeah, emails? Yeah, anymore? yeah, no. People reach out to me all the time, too. Really? Adam at with, at with Yada.com. Oh, you just, um, you don't know what you just did. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll uh, hopefully respond to, to most of you guys. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you so employees. much. Yeah. You could guess my email anyway, right? Like, you know I what? Guess I invited it. But yeah, you, you know what's surprising? Uh, a lot of the emails at like the top companies are the most simple right, things. It's yeah. like, Either first or last name at thecompany.com. Right. And uh, it's so easy. And and these people check their emails. Yeah. It's it's mind-blowing how easy it could be to correctly guess it. I've heard stories of Elon Musk types. Like, I don't know if Elon Musk, but people in his or league in responding to them. Or in Yeah. 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 So. Mr. B. Yeah. <laughs> BH. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you guys so much for watching. Make sure to subscribe. Check out the Clips channel down below in the description. Hit the like button. That helps us out. Oh, you know what? You actually have to tell them. Look in the camera and say, destroy the like button for the YouTube algorithm. D destroy the like button for the YouTube algorithm. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> thank you, you. Thank you so much. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank All you. Right, until next time. Awesome. Oh, thank you, man. We gotta take a, can we take a selfie in here? Yeah. Did I get with the crew? Ugh.